0: Welcome to the Fix Your Sciatica Podcast, where we meet with experts and clients and discuss how to manage your sciatica and low back pain without the use of medications or surgery. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Mack, and I'm a physical therapist as well as the founder of ifixyoursciatica.com, a go-to resource for pain management. One common question I hear is, would losing weight actually help me with my sciatica pain? And if you search on the internet for that question, you're going to be presented with a million or more articles that say yes, but then also another million articles that say no. And the truth of the matter is that it really depends. Weight loss in relation to sciatica pain is actually a complicated matter, but it also doesn't have to be complicated if we break it down into components. And the first step is to actually understanding what being overweight can actually do to the body in relation to sciatica pain. Now, how can you tell if you're overweight? One metric that is often used is the body mass index, also known as the BMI. And it is a simple measure of your body weight divided by your height. The BMI actually has a couple categories as listed by the CDC. Is anyone with a BMI of less than 18.5 is considered underweight. Anything between 18.5 to 25 is considered a normal weight. And 25 to 30 is classified as overweight. And then anything over 30 of a BMI is considered obese um, with a range of a subset of categories for this particular section. However, There is a huge fault in this archaic measurement. It doesn't account for the amount of lean muscle bone or the functional units that generate stability, force, and movement of your body. And I'm a huge fan of looking at both BMI and body fat percentage, which is going to be the total body fat in your body divided by your weight. So body weight specifically body fat can in fact affect your back pain through three major mechanisms. The first is the increased likelihood of developing a chronic disease and also chronic inflammation. The next is increased force on the joints. And then the third is actually altered mechanics of the body, aka the way that you move will change. And so the higher your BMI and your body fat percentage, it actually increases the risk of chronic diseases and what those chronic diseases include includes cardiovascular disease high blood pressure high risk of diabetes and this actually indicates that your body is going through some sort of systemic also known as whole body inflammation and that whole body inflammation would actually make your brain and body more sensitive and more at risk to injuries aches pains and other issues Now I've used this anatomy before, but I will say this again to help you understand this concept of inflammation a little bit more. So consider your body like a guitar amplifier. There are two major sound settings, which is gonna be normal and distortion. And then there is the general volume, which is just the level of sound being produced from the amplifier. And when you're not chronically under inflammation, there is no distortion sounds and you have a pretty good normal volume with every strum of that guitar. When you get touched or when you feel that sensation, it's pretty much normal and it's not painful. However, when you have chronic inflammation, the distortion level is up and the volume is turned up as well. And with that same guitar strum, AKA that same nervous impulse, uh, it's actually going to create a loud reverberating sound regardless of how light or hard you strum that guitar. And your pain is just an electric signal starting from a specific area, which could be a bone, joint, muscle, or nerve, travels up your spine and then into your brain. And that electrical signal actually gets processed in your brain. However, if you are chronically under inflammation, you will feel pain because the brain and body are on high alert. And you can address chronic inflammation through three very simple methods. The first is breathing. If you don't have enough oxygen in your body and you're taking short and shallow breaths, then your nervous system is going to be on high alert, secreting hormones like adrenaline and cortisol to help you get ready to fight or run away. It's your fight or flight response. However, if you live a relatively sedentary life, Having these hormones flow through your body on a long-term basis is going to cause you to feel more fatigued and more sensitive to your pain. You can do techniques like box breathing or meditation to help out with this, but if you really don't have any time to do either, a very easy way to get started to address your breathing is thinking about inhaling through your nose and out through the mouth, focusing on slow, controlled breaths. Now, why is it so important to breathe in through your nose? You actually get an opportunity to take a deeper breath, absorb more oxygen, and it slows down the pace of your breathing. And this also results in better oxygen exchange for your cells. And what's interesting is that the more you breathe through your nose, the easier it becomes. Exhaling is actually a very passive action. As the air gets pushed out of your lungs via the elastic properties of your lungs, your body, and your diaphragm. However, with shallow breaths, it is very easy to fill your lungs with dead hot air. And it's time to get that out. So, when you are focusing on deliberate breathing, try to breathe through slightly closed lips to get every ounce of air out of those lungs. And this too is going to slow down your breathing so that you can get fresh air. Now, I've gotten a ton of amazing action steps in regards to breathing and strategies on how to improve my breathing through a book called Breath, written by James Nestor. The link of the book is actually found in the description of today's episode. The next step to reducing inflammation is managing life stress. Human beings are getting busier and more distracted day after day. In fact, it actually took me quite some time to get prepared for today's episode because I too get distracted. And in some cases, all the baggage, both mentally, physically, and emotionally can be a literal weight on our shoulders. And as, it, and as a result, it makes our breathing more shallow, turns on our fight or flight system, reduces our energy, and it in fact affects our sleep. Now, not to say that stress isn't good. In fact, having some stress is crucial for us to get stronger and more resilient. However, if we have too much stress for too long, it leads to chronic inflammation, fatigue, and an increased sensitivity to pain. So an action step for stress management is finding one solution that is going to make your life easier. Now, I am not here to tell you that you need to be more disciplined or that everyone has 24 hours in a day. We are all dealing with our own set of challenges and stressors, and if we can find that one specific solution that makes life easier, then do it. I give you permission. A third and a very easy way, and also a very recurring theme in today's episode, is eating less processed foods. You can do an easy food swap or just add more vegetables to your plate. Listen, I love French fries and onion rings as much as everyone else, but just make sure that you add in some sort of vegetable into the mix and you're one step closer to feeling better. Now, the presence of increased body fat and the absence of muscle can actually place a significant amount of stress on the joints, such as your lower back, your hips, knees, ankles, feet, and even toes. The weight distribution can also influence your standing posture, increasing the amount of stress applied to the neck and shoulder, which can itself present as elbow, wrist, and hand pain. You see, body fat, especially adipose tissue, is technically an inner tissue. Yes, it has blood vessels, it keeps you warm, and can help with hormone secretion, but it really has little to no benefit to joint function and stability. That's where muscle comes in. You see, the more muscle that you have around the joint, the more support and strength you will have. And if you're overweight with having a lack of muscle, plus the addition of more body mass will actually place undue stress on your joints. Again, stress is a good thing to a certain extent. It helps us get stronger and push past boundaries. However, added physical stress without the proper rest, recovery, and support will actually lead to an increased chance of developing arthritis and pain, and your body and your joints may literally cannot handle the weight. And so there are two major ways that you can fix a problem of increased stress in your joints. The first step is improving your eating habits. Now, I'm not talking about a drastic change because, unfortunately, extreme eating programs like tracking every single calorie or cutting out carbs completely will actually lead to short-term results, but also a distorted view at food. Improvements of eating habits can actually include something as simple as drinking more water, eating an extra serving of vegetables, or having a little more lean protein. And one more actionable step repeated over and over again will actually lead to bigger changes than a drastic specific action. The second thing that you can actually do if you have a little bit more weight and not enough muscle or strength is to, in fact, get stronger. Because if you get stronger, your, your joints are going to be more resilient and movement will be less punishing to you. Now, how do you get stronger while you're in pain? You know, if you're listening to this episode, you're in pain, you want the answer to feel better. So how do we get stronger while we're in pain? There are many ways, but the key is looking into how you are moving and improve your efficiency. Now, what if I told you that since you are carrying around this excess body weight and fat, you are actually a lot stronger than you think. The reality is that even though you're carrying more weight, you do have some muscle that is used to support you. However, the weakness is often caused by what I like to call a lack of efficient movement. And what that means is that your body is out of position and needs help using the various different levers to its advantage. So here are three major action points when it comes to exercise and moving, and you're going to be surprised by how you feel and how you move. The first thing I want you to think about is everything starts at the core. If you simply take your ribs and pull them down towards your pelvis, you've already been able to increase your strength by at least 10%. The next action is to focus on your hips. You know, if you think about when you're sitting down or picking something up, your hips should actually be the prime movers. And in fact, they are the major hinge point. It's not your knees, it's not your back, but your hips is actually where you generate the most power and generate the most amount of movement. And the third piece to good quality movement is having vertical shins. Look down. Are your feet facing forward or out? When you're sitting, are your knees forward or back? If you think about vertical shins, your hips move the way that they do, your core gets activated, and your muscles, the prime movers, get to work the best that they can. So, if you can keep those three action steps in your head, you will automatically be and feel stronger. And the third and final mechanism about body weight and sciatica pain is that the added bulk from subcutaneous fat, adipose tissue, not to be mistaken with visceral fat around your organs, which is another indicator of chronic disease, can actually influence the overall mechanics of how you move. As a result, some stretches, which can be beneficial for you, can be difficult, making movements uh, and therapies less effective. Now, what does this really mean? Altered biomechanics. Now, let's look at the most common distribution of excessive body weight and body fat, which is going to be the midsection. When there is excessive fat in the front area of the abdomen or the, uh, where the mass itself can actually increase the arch of the low back, also known as a lumbar lordosis. Now this is not necessarily a bad thing. A lordosis is not a bad thing as the spine was built to move freely and have curves in it. However, if the back is arched and maintain that lordosis for a long period of time because of the abdominal fat, the areas of where the nerves exit the spine can in fact get irritated. And this can be considered what most people would call a lumbar foraminal stenosis where the areas of which the nerve roots exit the spine get pinched, causing pain, weakness, and other issues. If this is the cause of pain, where you're having excessive lordosis because of your belly fat, then losing weight can in fact help with relieving those symptoms. I've talked about stenosis in previous episodes and a link for the most common stenosis or the most helpful stenosis episode is gonna be found in the link in today's description. Another area of interest with weight gain is the position of the hips, knees, and pelvis. As the body gets larger, the feet can actually have trouble pointing straight ahead and this actually results in turning the feet out. But in order to not fall down, the pelvis needs to rotate forward and the back becomes even more arched. is that lordosis that we're talking about. And as a result, walking is also influenced by this position too. The position of the hips, knees, and pelvis, and spine held over long periods of time can increase the amount of stress on the joints as well as the nerves. Losing weight can help alter the mechanics in a more positive way. However, weight gain doesn't happen overnight. So by the time you actually start feeling the aches and pains from misalignment due to body fat, you've probably accumulated months if not years of moving a specific way which means that we also need to take a deep dive and go back into moving in a way that reduces the amount of undue stress that gets placed on the body specifically the spine if you're overweight then it's looking at both your pelvis and spine position so that we can assume what is called spinal neutral it's not super flat it's not super arched and a way to find spinal neutral is to do by simply pulling your pelvis up towards your ribs, flexing your abs, so that your abdomen can tighten up and stabilize your spine. If you can maintain that, you will actually be reducing the load placed not only on your spine, but also on your other joints. You see, losing weight can be, inf- can be helpful in reducing sciatica pain due to reducing inflammation, improving joint stability, and improving the overall mechanics of the body. But weight loss is only one piece of the puzzle. So we need to take a deep dive into our lives and identify what led us to being in this state in the first place. Once we answer that question, we are one step closer to pain relief. And really, the biggest action step for weight loss when it comes to pain relief is that we have to look at improving one nutrition habit at a time. The more consistent you can be, the more successful you will be. And you absolutely do not have to go through this alone. In fact, the team here at IfixYourSciatica.com can help you move and eat in a way where you can move and feel your best. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at IfixYourSciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider.